Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. There are several current news stories on the sanctity of preborn lives that deserve our attention today. I focus here more than anywhere else on my podcast because I believe this is the slavery of our day, meaning this is the preeminent human rights violation holocaust that's happening on our watch. You and I cannot get fetus fatigue. We've got to keep ourselves up to date and informed because the truth is a lot is happening. New developments happen every day in in our nation across every different state. Our nation is sliding more and more into an anti-life reality, and I don't believe that's really what most of us want. But I don't want to just cover these headlines today. After sharing them, I want to talk a little bit about why I think our nation continues to slide more and more towards devaluing life, more and more towards an anti-life culture. So in the interest of staying on top of the news, here are five different headlines just from this past week that I want to share in this area. The first comes out of Ohio. It's about a young woman. The Associated Press reports a young Ohio mother who prosecutors said killed and buried her unwanted newborn in her backyard just days after her senior prom was found not guilty of murder last Thursday. The remains of her baby were found about two months after she gave birth in her backyard north of Cincinnati. The press tells us her name is Brooke Schuyler Richardson. She's now 20 and she was shaking and sobbing when the judge read the not guilty verdicts. She had faced up to life in prison had she been convicted on the most serious charges. Her defense says the baby she named Annabelle was stillborn and the teen was sad and scared. If you dig a little bit deeper into news reports, you can find this quoting from the AP, a forensic pathologist who testified for the prosecution concluded the baby died from homicidal violence. Prosecutors also said Richardson had searched on the internet for quote, how to get rid of a baby. They played video for the jury of a police interview in which Richardson said the baby might have moved and made noises. Additionally, following the birth the the young mother sent texts to her mom talking about how her belly is back and she'll never let herself get overweight again. Ultimately, though, she was found not guilty, only guilty of corpse abuse. The point I want to make here is this, though. I don't know if Brooke is guilty. I'm not omniscient. I'm not the judge. I'm not the jury. But we are a people who says that abortion up until 40 weeks is now legal in many states. We're a nation that says if an unwanted baby is born alive after a botched abortion, the physician is not required to provide medical care. So really, what difference does birth make? The birth canal is about seven inches long, and the difference between being pre-born and born is just a few minutes. So if it's fine to abort a baby all the way up until the moment of birth, why would we be concerned if a mother kills her baby right after and buries the baby in her backyard? We can't have it both ways, and it seems to me we are well on our way to not having it both ways. It seems to me we are on a path that deems it morally and legally acceptable to do away with infants born alive if they are unwanted. The second headline comes out of Illinois, where an abortionist recently died last week. A man who practiced abortion in Indiana but lived in Illinois died, and he his family contacted law enforcement after he passed away because they came across 2,246 preserved fetal remains in his home. Authorities saw no evidence that medical procedures were actually performed in the home. So in other words, this man went from his home in Illinois to his clinic in Indiana, aborted these babies, and then brought their remains back and kept them in his home. And nobody knows why, but isn't this dark and gross and disgusting? The state revoked his abortion clinic's license in 2015, and the state took away his medical license in 2016. So a professional panel had found a number of violations, both at the clinic and with this doctor, including a failure to ensure that qualified staff were present when patients received or recovered from medications given before and during abortion procedures. So in other words, this doctor did not make sure that there was staff available to the women that he was performing abortions on. 
The point here is that abortion is dark. This doctor was obviously in a dark place with these remains at his home. The clinic was closed, his license was revoked, and for some reason, we are a nation that champions abortion and champions abortion doctors. But I just want to say it's dark and sinister and gruesome, and this is not in the name of empowering women. Clearly, this doctor practiced in a way that endangered women, not empowered them. Third headline, coming out of California, you may remember the names of David Delighton and Sandra Merritt. They are pro-life activists who released videos four years ago that they recorded inside multiple settings within the abortion industry. So Delighton and Merritt posed as staff of a fetal tissue procurement firm, and they initiated conversations with staff at Planned Parenthood and within the National Abortion Federation to catch abortion workers on video negotiating the terms of how they would perform abortions to procure and sell baby body parts and what the fees for these body parts would be and other gruesome details. I'm going to link the videos in my show notes. There's about a dozen of them. And I'm shocked and astonished and appalled every time I find out that people don't really know that these videos exist and that you can watch them. This is huge news that came out four years ago, and it's been largely swept under the rug by major media. So please link to, please click on my show notes and, and go to the links and watch these videos so that you can see for yourself the horrifying reality of how Planned Parenthood and other abortion um, organizations do traffic baby body parts. Of course, Delighton and Merritt have been embroiled in all kinds of controversy in multiple court cases since these videos went live. The entire abortion industry and the fetal tissue research industry has a lot at stake here, a lot that they don't want us to know. At the time when the video was recorded in 2015, California's attorney general was Kamala Harris, and she's now hoping to get the Democrat Party's nomination for president. Well, back then, she charged Delighton and Merritt with recording these videos illegally. She charged them with 15 different counts of breaking the California law that requires all parties to know know and consent to being recorded. So a two-week hearing just started, and the judge is going to decide during this two-week hearing if California's current attorney general has enough evidence to take this case all the way to trial. So what you need to know about the California laws, though, that protect confidential conversations, they define such conversations to be between parties who reasonably believe they cannot be overheard by other people. In other words, the parties think no one else is around, the, the conversation's happening in secret. Well, all of the undercover recordings that Delighton and Merritt made about the abortionists, with the abortionists and the fetal procurement technicians, those recordings were always made, those conversations were always had in public places, places where they could absolutely be overheard, at conferences, in restaurants, in offices with other people and other staff present. None of the conversations took place in secret. None of them were private. So that is their defense, and I think it's a strong one, and I hope the judge, of course, sides with them. A second defense relates to a California law that says unconsented recording is allowed when the recorder is reasonably trying to find evidence of a crime involving violence against a person. Well, Delighton and Merritt were trying to find evidence of violence, homicidal violence actually, against unborn babies and babies who were born alive and then killed for their organs so that the fetal procurement specialists could dissect them. So it's really important to understand this part of the issue. One CEO of STEM Express, which is one of the fetal tissue companies involved, admitted in court last Thursday that her biotech company supplies beating fetal hearts and intact fetal heads to medical researchers. One defense lawyer said, if you have a fetus with an intact head and an intact body and intact extremities, that indicates that the child was born alive and then had their organs cut out of them. 
or that child was the victim of an illegal partial birth abortion. So Planned Parenthood consent forms for women who are undergoing abortion state that there will be no changes to the abortion procedure, even if the mother decides to donate the blood or tissue of her fetus. In other words, mothers are believing that their child is dying inside the womb first and then extracted already dead. That is, of course, sadly, legal in our nation, but it's not legal to deliver a baby partially and then kill it. That's called partial birth abortion, and it's not legal to deliver a baby alive and then to kill it, but evidently that's what was being done without the consent of the mother, contrary to law, so that beating hearts and intact heads and intact organs can be sold to fetal tissue procurement agencies. So we'll see what the judge says. Of course, we hope he sides with the truth. Of course, we hope that he agrees that these recordings were made in good faith, that others could hear the conversations and these charges will be dropped. No matter what happens though, these videos have gotten way too little airtime. Major media has been afraid to show them. People are afraid to share them on social media. People are in straight up denial. In fact, just last week, my daughter's professor at community college said, of course, Planned Parenthood doesn't traffic illegally in baby body parts. For some reason, people think Planned Parenthood is ethical, above reproach, but they're not. They say, and I think they believe, that they're on the side of women, but honestly, they're exploiting women and their unborn children for their own financial gain, and it's disgusting. Okay, two more quick headlines. This one's also out of California. The California state legislature has approved a bill requiring health centers at state-run universities to dispense abortion-inducing drugs to students. So in other words, if you go to a California college or university and it's run by the state, then it's now required that your health center will provide you with, maybe in a vending machine or another other means, a pill to abort your baby. Well, Students for Life of America President Kristen Hawkins said this, these toilet bowl abortions will create havoc on campuses as girls are sent to their dorm bathrooms to bleed and pass an aborted infant in a toilet without medical supervision or assistance. So in other words, these pills are going to cause these girls to have abortions, but they're going to be sent back home. They're going to go to their dorm room bathroom and they're going to pass a baby into the toilet. That is now law. That's what's required at state-run universities in California that that's available. Coming out of North Dakota, a federal judge ruled just last week the state cannot require abortionists to inform women that drug-induced abortions, so women who take the abortion pill, can possibly be reversed if the mother changes her mind. So abortionists are not required to say, hey, if you take this pill and you change your mind, there is a way to reverse it. They don't have to tell the mom that. A 2018 study published shows that the abortion pill reversal process saved the lives of at least 257 babies after their mothers had a change of heart. But apparently in North Dakota, the state does not want to require doctors to tell their patients about that. They'd rather the mothers believe there's no turning back, even if they do change their minds. So these are just five headlines, you guys, out of just the last week. Every day there are headlines in this area. We are hurtling towards a fully anti-life culture in our country. And it's all in the name of empowering women. When Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973, it's because as a nation, we wanted to empower women, to give women equality. And since then, we have aborted 60 million babies. And here's the point I want to make. Abortion does not empower women. Abortion exploits women. I don't know why. Somehow, for some reason, back in the 70s, we deemed equality to men to mean you can't have babies. You shouldn't have babies. Don't be pregnant. If you want to be equal to men, then you've got to get rid of your baby. 
That's a ridiculous conclusion, and I don't know how our nation came to it back in 1970. Why did we deem a male body to be superior to the female body? Why did we deem it better to not have babies than to have babies? This is not empowering. This is exploitive. Think of Brooke in Ohio. She was duped into thinking that a baby was bad news, that she had to get rid of her baby to go on with her life. She either murdered it, or if she it was stillborn, then she buried it in her backyard. She didn't seek prenatal care or care for her born baby because she believed not having a baby would be better. She believed that if she had a baby, it would ruin her life. After two years of trauma and being on trial and sitting with the horror of what she had done, I guarantee you, Brooke does not feel empowered right now. And then of course, there's the doctor in Indiana. His clinic was closed. His license was revoked because of some serious areas of negligence in the way he was practicing abortion. He didn't empower women. He put women at risk. And then we, you know, we talk about Planned Parenthood and what's going on. The women that undergo abortion at Planned Parenthood and they're signing these consent forms, they don't know that they themselves and their babies are being exploited. Their babies who are aborted are then being sold so that Planned Parenthood can acquire significant funding. The women aren't even consenting to their babies being born alive born intact, and then ripped apart and donated for fetal research. That's not empowering. That's exploitive. And then, of course, these poor college students in California, these girls who are going to go back to their dorm room toilets and have an abortion, they are going to feel scared and alone and isolated. This is not empowering. And, of course, mothers who want to change their mind in North North Dakota. I mean, the 257 cases of a successful abortion pill reversal shows us that there are a lot of women out there who change their mind after taking the abortion pill. But for some reason, this federal judge in North Dakota doesn't want women there to know you can change your mind. These policies, these headlines, this direction we're moving is not empowering us. It's crippling us. And that's why I think we're drifting this way. That's why I think we're moving towards an anti-life culture because we are a couple generations who have been crippled. We're all walking with a significant limp because so many of us have had abortions. I have so many friends, friends who are moms now, who walk with a significant limp because they chose to have an abortion back when they believed that it was the right thing to do. They're heartbroken and they have so much regret and it causes them to be silent, to feel ashamed and to not voice that the the abortion was actually exploitive of them, not empowering of them. We don't talk about our past abortions because we have so much regret. And so many try to drown out that regret by shouting their abortions. They're hoping to yell about it loud enough, to demonstrate enough, to do enough activism, to drown out that pesky, that stubborn, that quiet voice deep in their hearts and minds that reminds them really that it was the wrong thing to do. Abortion will always be stigmatized because abortion will always be the taking of one life for the promised elevation of another life. But we haven't elevated anyone. We've hurt millions and millions of would-be moms and dads in the name of empowering them. And friend, if that is you, as I've said on this podcast before, I want to say it again, you are forgiven. Let the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross cleanse you of this sin. He already paid the price for that sin on the cross. And one 
payment is enough. He declared it is finished while he was on the cross. So you no longer need to bear the burden of that sin and that guilt. It has been paid. Let's not be silenced by regret, but let's be bold with the freedom and the forgiveness that we've been given in Christ. And then let a holy anger boil up within us. Let us put our foot down in the face of supposed reproductive progress. This is not progress. This is harm. Let's remind one another of what is true. If you have laid your past abortion in the arms of your Savior, you are forgiven, and we need your voice in our nation. We need a swelling, a resounding voice to rise up and say, enough is enough. Life is precious. Life is valuable. Life is irreplaceable. We've got to stop encouraging our girls to abort their babies in their college dorm bathrooms. We've got to stop encouraging women to abort their babies so that we can have their baby's body parts. We've got to stop telling women and girls that having a baby means your life is over. Who do we really want to be, America? Who are we? Is this this the path that we want to be on? Because this train is moving fast. And I am certain there are many, many women and men out there who have powerful stories to share, but first need to walk in forgiveness, walk in freedom, and then step out in boldness to proclaim that abortion does not empower, abortion exploits. Let us not grow weary in remembering what is true. Let us not believe the lie that it's too too late, that nothing can be done. Let us be bold and let us be strong and let us stake a claim for life. Abortion does not empower, it exploits. Thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. I look forward to chatting with you next week.